Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Roll Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it to Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food producers and food consumers. We cannot spend enough time talking about the inherent dangers of CO2, but uh, now in addition to what's taking place in the Great Plains of America from Illinois, Iowa, in uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska standpoint, Minnesota as well, you know, that little stream going up there to Granite Falls. We've got situations brewing in Louisiana and Texas, all over the country. And uh, we've got a little bit of the bayou coming to us. Kim Coates coming to us from Louisiana. How do you pronounce your parish again? I'm not going to pretend to be good at this. Tonopah? No, it's not Tonopah. Tangipahoa. Now you got me saying it so slow. <laughs> it's Tangipahoa. 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 Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's close. Mm-hmm. Kim is a parish councilwoman. And uh, first of all, for those that may not be familiar, I believe that we have two states in the nation that have parishes instead of counties. Why do you have a parish instead of a county, Kim? Because we go by Napoleonic law, and that's how it... Now you're going to get me on the uh, history, but um, but Louise, I thought Louisiana is the only state. I think there's one more. Okay. Okay. Now... now- See, we both have things to research now. How long have you been a councilwoman? So this is my first term. So I am currently finishing up my fourth year. And what's that been like? It's been good. It's been very positive. Um, So prior to being on the council, you know, I was just a businesswoman, a wife, a mom. You know, going about our life, um, my husband and I love the swamp and love the water. Uh, there's a big estuary south of us. So we built a camp to where we could go and enjoy that because we both grew up doing that. And they were going to put a battery. Well, they were going to process graphite to make electric car batteries. And the disposal of that processing was just going to go into the water and so you know all the residents and even scientists were very worried because we just got the salinity level down because it was killing all the cypress trees Mm -hmm. so we didn't want all of that in the water so we kind of fought that and if we won and the the plant moved on and then there was a big uh, resort they wanted to build in the swamp which was on one side of a railroad track with one way in, one way out, surrounded by swamp and on two sides and then water. So how do you evacuate people and safety and then you're going to destroy the wetlands and stuff? So so I kind of stood up and fought for that too because here in Louisiana we have hurricanes and those wetlands are our buffers. And if we damage them in any kind of way, you know, we're hurting our buffer zone. Um, we just got hit by Hurricane Ida in 21, and it was devastating. So that was also turned down. And so just that momentum and stuff, and I was like, look, it's time to stand up. It's time to stand up for the community and um, start giving back. And that's how I got onto the council. 
Which is really interesting in the topic that we're actually coming together on today. But before we get to that particular topic, I, I find it fascinating because many people ask me, what's your impetus for getting into media? Because literally, I'm sixth generation man from the land. All I ever want to do is take care of land and livestock. And I saw that the animal rights community was misleading people about the importance of animals and planet and human health. And so I started finding a way to get involved and in telling the real story about how important animal agriculture is. And now it's all domestic food production and energy production as a means of national security. And it seems like particularly people who are driven with a passion have that one impetus. It's like, I'm going to take a stand and make a difference. And for you, it was protecting the swamp and to make sure that the environment around you was in, as God intended it to be. Yes. I mean, I'd love for you to come see it because it is one of the most beautiful places to watch the sunset. Absolutely beautiful over the water and, and the swamp and swamp and cypress trees and stuff is just gorgeous out there. Um, and so many people use it for recreation, um, seafood industry. You know, like we have a big recreation where people go out there and fish and boat and all this, but there's also a seafood industry. So trying to take away from that economy to set off, to create jobs, to do industrial, it just, it doesn't all make sense. Which leads us into things that don't make sense. That is <laughs> you and I coming together Anybody who pays attention to this program knows that uh, I've been working at bringing awareness to the dangers of the CO2 pipeline. I've never been anti-pipeline, and I, there are inherent dangers when you compress CO2 at 2300 PSI. And, and I'm a bit giddy at the moment, Kim, I don't mind telling you, because in the state where really I started this fight, the Public Service Commission just denied the permit for Summit. And the reason they denied it, and this I think will will give impetus to what you're going to share with us of what's happening in Louisiana, they point blank said the reason we're denying this is there were many questions that the individuals who are asking for this permit were evasive to, were not given the correct answers. And in the neighboring state, just to put this into context, this particular week, there was an individual talking about the pipeline and the plume study, the plume study, excuse me, and uh, everything that comes along with an inherent danger. And the lady actually said, well, we have the risk analysis, but I, I'm, not, I'm reluctant to share it because the people in the Midwest are too stupid to understand it. We have too much of that taking place, Kim Coates, where we have these elected and bureaucratic authorities who think that they have to make every decision for us. Now, all of that leads us into, there's a CO2 pipeline proposal in Louisiana as well. And you're right in the middle of this with your parish. Tell us about what's going on there. So um, in an, another parish, uh, they're gonna build a new plant with new emissions and they're gonna capture that carbon and then they're gonna pipe it through a, one parish then through wildlife management area into this uh, a small lake, which is part of a estuary. And the pipeline is going to spread out to these carbon injection wells throughout three other parishes. And, you know, this, like I was describing, is the most beautiful place ever. 
um, Iberville actually was coming through and he called it the prettiest sight he's ever seen. You know, there's so much history and so much culture there. But like I said, there's, there's already the economy there. It depends on clean water, you know, uh, for the boating, recreation, the fishing. But then they're going to go in and jet these um, channels through the bottom of this lake to put these pipelines. Well, years and years ago, they used to shell dredge this lake. And it just stirred up the bottom and it just kept the water nasty and the turbidity was so high and it was polluted. And finally, the state banned all the shell dredging. And in this particular, they also banned shrimp trawling. So over all these years, all that pollution and everything has settled and the lake came back. Well, they've been doing the seismic testing to provide the data for this carbon project, carbon capture project. And now the water is getting dirty. There's stuff all over. There's um, pictures and videos of fish dying and stuff. When all along we were told, oh, well, you're not going to notice a thing. It's just going to be like a burp in the water. But then we got pictures of seven foot gushers coming out with mud and water slinging everywhere. You know, so the people feel like they've already been lied to about what was going to happen and what they were going to see. And so that's kind of like where we are is trying to protect this estuary. And all of the data says that there is an inherent danger when you compress CO2 in a pipeline. And, and CO2 is not a dangerous item. It's the compressing of the item, of the element. In, in the atmosphere, it feeds plants, and we're at a critical low stage of, of available CO2 now, and yet all across this country and around the world, they're talking about burying it. And the point is, when you bury it and you have a H2O in its path, it goes from somewhat dangerous to massively dangerous, and that's why I wanted to visit with Kim Coates today to get the real feel from the ground. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more Kim Coates in Louisiana. Thank you, Kim Coates. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more Rural Route. Before I let you go, the National Western, January 6th through January 21 of 2024. Commercial cattlemen are coming back. There's big announcements, and we're going to bring not only the commercial cattlemen, but the consumer. We're going to have a blending of rural and urban, everything that Rural Route is all about at the National Western 2024 that I'm excited about. Hopefully you are as well. Nationalwestern.com. We're back with more. Roll Route and Kim Coates. Welcome back. Roll Route program. I'm Trent Luce. Coates coming to us from, oh my goodness, Tangapaw. No? Tangapaw. Tangapaw. Tangapahoe. Tangapahoe. Hey, I got it now. Tangapahoe. Yes. Does Tangipahoe have a rodeo? <laughs> we do. We do. When's the parish rodeo? It's a, usually in the fall, no? Well, we just actually had one recently. Oh. That was pretty nice. Probably but, some uh, some Bordeaux probably won the bronc riding, huh? It's always a Bordeaux that wins a bronc riding. <laughs> I, I knew James, James Bordeaux, who was a fantastic bronc rider. I met him when I was down there to rodeo, Tangipahoe rodeo. I got it down now, Kim. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So we have to find reasons to smile because we continue to have these authorities that want to uh, remove our rights left left and right. 
pun intended. So where does this stand now? Where do you see this playing out? And and certainly, obviously, you just heard about the North Dakota situation, which I think is going to set a precedent for all states around this nation. But this project, let I, I want to I interrupt myself. Often I get scattered like this, so don't be alarmed. You said that there is going to be a plant in a neighboring county. What is the kind of plant? Is this a, a oil, gas, coal, ethanol plant? What is it? So they claim it's a blue hydrogen. So because they're taking a carbon and injecting it. Um, but two thirds of their byproduct is ammonia, which then they're going to sell over globally. So um, it's more of like a blue hydrogen plant. Hmm. If, you're, if your byproduct is more than your product. But um, so, so that's uh, their I'm confused and I'm going to do more research on this, but I've been told the true value of CO2 as a commodity is that when you combine it with hydrogen, you make what's like a jet fuel. Is that not true? I didn't get to that far in the research. I'm sure that's right, Kim. And it's relevant because if in fact they take hydrogen, blend it with the CO2 to make jet fuel, why are they coming up with a CO2 pipeline to remove it from where the hydrogen is at? Good question. I think it's to make the ammonia. Ammonia is is a needed plant fertilizer. There's no doubt about that. So they're supposed to be using the natural gas and they're splitting that to make the ammonia and then the hydrogen and then the byproduct is to carbon. But, and Correct me if I'm wrong. This is what I've been told is they're saying they're going to capture 90% of this carbon, mm-hmm. but yet to compress it, they're going to have to create another, say, 30 to 50% more carbon emissions to compress that to send it. So actually, they're only going to net maybe 30, 40% carbon um, emissions that's going to be captured. So um, that that's why... I, you know, it would be different, I guess, too, if they're saying, oh, we're going to catch the carbon emissions from an existing plant. But that's not it. This is a totally new plant, a totally new emissions, because they're like, oh, we're saving so much going into the atmosphere. But even if they capture the 90%, you're still adding 10% to the, the, the climate. You see, so to me, yeah. it's greenwashing well actually you come to the same conclusion that we've come in our fight that this has nothing to do with global protection of the climate it has everything to do with acquiring land and what we call a land grab and simply and simply taking control away from local entities and the fact that you have a lake involved most certainly is going to complicate issues even more because where there's a body of navigable water the US EPA and the federal government through the Bureau of Ground Management, they think they have control. Yes. So the Corps of Engineers will be involved on, on the coastal permit and stuff. But yet, this is what's also is very frustrating to the people here is that this estuary has been getting millions of dollars, millions to restore it. Like they're actually going to break through the Mississippi levee 
and put a diversion to take fresh water from the Mississippi River to pump into the swamp to revitalize it. But yet we're going to turn around and put a pipeline right next to it. <laughs> so you're going to cut channels into the wetlands where you're spending millions. And then on the other side, the federal and state government is building a levy because in St. John Parish, south of us, those people flooded. So yeah. they're building this big levy. So this injection, the geologists say, we may have some fault line shifts and different things with all this injection. So then what's going to happen to the levy? Is the levy going to end up failing in, in the future? Um, you know, there's just, and then the aquifers, you know, there's old abandoned oil wells already in the lake. And so that's a risk where this carbon is going to seep through and come up and get into our aquifers or get into the lake. And then it becomes carbonic acid. So then what happens to the pH of the lake? So lots of concern, lots of risk, lots of unanswered questions. So, Kim, you mentioned at the beginning that you are in your final year of your first term as a parish councilwoman. Uh, you are currently thinking that you need to move to the state house. You are running for your uh, state representative district. Is that true? It is. It is. Why did you decide to make that change? Um, I was I, actually I got a call after we had a community meeting here about the carbon capture. And a business gentleman called me and he said he needed to support me and he I needed to move up. And I told him, no, I'm fine. And he said, no, you do. You need to move up. And I told him, I said, well, let me pray about it. And so I did. And the very next day I got asked again and I kept praying and I got asked again and oh. it just kept moving forward. And so that's kind of how I got here. And you're excited about that? Or do you think God's setting you up for something? <laughs> uh, he's definitely setting me up for something. <laughs> he's testing your resilience. No, I mean uh, that. I mean that question in all sincerity, because Kim, too many times, th this is the path of the elected representative. They start at school board, then they become a county commissioner. In your case, it's a parish councilwoman, uh, and then they go to the senate, and then they go to this. All, everything about the Constitution says that the controls at the local level, and I just have no desire to be any any lower on the food chain than the local level because that's the highest mark in in the control of government. But you've got so many things going on with water and rivers and lakes in Louisiana that you're just dealing with federal control all the time. So I'm rationalizing in my own mind as I speak that I can see where at the state level, if you can put the clamp down on the federal government, you may be in a better position. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not sure if we're going to get that. This past session, we had at least four bills to try to either slow this down, to study it, to stop it, or to move it to the Gulf, just something to protect this. Um, estuary and all of those bills had failed. Um, you know, it was all about the money, and um, and there's a lot more issues in Louisiana. You Can know, I ask but... you a question before we go to other oh. issues. Yeah, let me guess that those bills passed in the House and got killed in the Senate. 
Actually, they didn't get out of the house. Okay. My theory well, got one, blown, blown out yeah, of the water right there. I think two didn't even two didn't even get out of committee. Oh wow. Two got to the floor and then they failed at the floor. You know, Kim, we were brought together today for a reason. There's clearly more things that we need to network on. Right now we're out of time. Uh Best of luck in your campaign. If I can come down there and help you, I'm going to do that because I want to get a better handle on this hydrogen plant. I want to get a better handle on the water and I want to get a real handle on some crawfish at Tufay. <laughs> well, come on and we'll feed you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've never left Louisiana hungry. Let me tell you, right. when there's a Cajun involved, I love the Acadian culture. Thank you, Kim. We'll be in touch. Okay. Every cause needs a champion, and when you find a champion, great things come to pass. That's exactly what we found. We've Kim's got to run. We got camps, council, or parish councilwoman stuff to work on. We'll be back with more rural route. Hey, before I let you go, I better tell you about certified Piedmontese. Certified Piedmontese. I had a gentleman here from Mississippi yesterday. Andrew Lewis, and he'd never heard of a Piedmontese breed. That's the case far too often. Of course, he's from Mississippi. I don't know that we have any Piedmontese cattle in Mississippi, but we have them in the Great Plains of America, and we have about 25,000 a year that go into the certified Piedmontese system. And that means that there is a supply of tender beef that's available to you as a consumer. You can look for it in the store, but it's simplest just to look for it at your computer or on your phone, wherever you want to do your surfing. Do we still call it surfing? I don't think we do like we used to. Search certifiedpiedmontese.com or CP Beef. That works as well. It all comes back to the same place. Tender beef supplies, cattlemen from your neck, neck of the woods. That is the future of sustainability right there. We'll be back second half roll right after this. Welcome back, Trent Luce. Roll route to the program. We are going to stay hooked on the CO2 pipeline issue today. Joining me now from North Dakota, Senator Jeff Magram. What the heck? Are you fox chasing behind you? What Was that a picture of your great-great-grandfather coming over from the old country, or what's going on, Jeff? No, that was me chasing rhinos. <laughs> I was hunting rhinos. <laughs> What are you going to do when you catch them? <laughs> well, uh, we just beat them. We don't, we don't hurt them none. We just beat them. We hurt their feelings, but okay. that was, that was from the rhino, uh, rhino hunter award. I received, uh, the last two elections. You know, so, actually there's a great analogy here because you and I have a mutual friend that goes coon hunting every night and he never shoots a coon. He just trees them so that they know where they're at. He's teaching dogs, actually. That's exactly the scenario we should have with the rhinos. We tree them so the people can see who they really are and what they really represent, because it's not the people down here on the ground. They're up in the limbs on their own. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. August yeah. 1st has come, and we are moving away from it on a rapid basis. August 1st is a big day in North Dakota. Why? Well, it was when all of our new laws kicked in from the this last legislative session. So we are trying to get our attorney general moving. So I'm asking everyone to, uh, if you don't have his phone number, just Google it. But it's uh, 
call them, email them, whatever it takes to get them going, get them mobilized to find out who the investors are in some of Carbon Solutions. There's a lot of interest in it. I'm very curious myself, and the more they hide it, the more curious I get, as well as many others. Richland County voted four to one on Tuesday to send a letter in to the Attorney General requesting an investigation. As, as Emmons County uh, formed the letter on Tuesday and emailed it to them via their state's attorney, I just uh, contacted Burley County Auditor. He said that their state's attorney was to uh, was supposed to send a letter in on, on uh, August 1st. So hopefully uh, Julie Lawyer got that done. And what we need to uh, now we need to start screaming from the from the housetop, so to speak, and get on this man and get him moving. And I know he's got a lot of political pressure again on the other side because there's obviously a lot of people that have money in this that don't want their name brought up. So it's going to be a tug of war, but we need to get this done. So we need a lot of people to help us. Okay. This is, you said something that's like fighting words to me. You went to work, you and, and all of the, not all, all that were on the right side in North Dakota to put in place a state statute that says we need to know who's investing money. And we don't want China investing money in our properties. I don't care what kind of political pressure Drew Wrigley gets. The job of the attorney general is to uphold the law, the statutes of the state of North Dakota. You must at least do an investigation and report back on what you find. You can't continue to do what he did to you, what, six weeks ago and said, oh, the, the law says I don't have to do this yet, so I'm not going to. Now you're here. Mr. Wrigley, now it's time for due diligence. I don't care what kind of political pressure you think you're under. The people have spoken and respond. And, and to your point, Jeff, we think that we're going to fix this at the state capitol. I don't care what state you're in. If you think you're going to fix this at the state capitol or in Washington, D.C., you're blatantly wrong. The answer is each county to stand, stand up and say, I want answers. I'm going to put an ordinance in place to protect the citizens of my county. I want to know who's funding this project that's coming through my county. This is now coming back to the county level, and this is where the county stands up and shines and says, we are demanding answers to protect the citizens of our county. Yeah, that's absolutely right. We elect our county commissioners to represent us to protect our rights right here, grassroots level. The only uh, one's better as townships, but uh, counties got the, they have a little more power than the townships. We have a state's attorney and so on, but we need, we need to respect the county ordinances. You don't go into these counties and build a building without getting their permission. And, and I'm, I'm not for over-regulating, but there is a reason for, for the uh, ordinances that we have. It's to protect our citizens and our property rights. So so uh, these guys think they should just be able to run over us and take our land. And what's crazy is these people are traders that are pushing this in a lot of ways because they're literally trying to force their way onto our land to tell our county commissioners that take their information. They make their ordinances based on information and feedback from our citizens that tell them what to, you know, what they expect of them and what they would like to have done. So they've been doing a good job of representing our citizens. And these people are representing the Chinese 
to come in and steal our property rights, to run over our landowners. It's time. People need to rise up and realize that, that, that we are in a war with the Chinese on this project and, and, and projects going forward. So we don't stand up to them now. I mean, just think of that. You're going to have to get permission from the Chinese eventually to hunt your own ground. You're going to be paying the property taxes and they're going to be telling you if you can put up a building or if you can plant a tree row or if you can build a fence. I mean, they're going to have to come out and okay it before the county even. They'll have power over your local county commission where your voice is heard. You can go in to the county commission meeting and discuss things across the table with your commissioners, especially most of these rural counties. Very, They're very uh, not it's it's very easy to to talk to them in in person so so let's not uh, let these people run over us we need everybody to help and rise up and and start talking to the attorney general we need to find out who's behind this attack on our property rights not just in north dakota but throughout the midwest you nailed it jeff because you know nobody has championed standing up to the 30 b 30 by 30 initiative more than myself spoke in 42 states in 18 months about the dangers of this and people continue to say well trent they're just not buying land it's just they're not taking land they got the best case scenario unfolding right here and very few people are tying the dots together like you just did as a landowner and you have eminent domain come against you and you're told you're going to give up a conservation easement for perpetuity to put a pipeline in you now pay the mortgage you now pay the taxes and you have no ability to do what you want to do with your land. If there's any more of a 30 by 30 plan where people don't need to own or pay taxes on the land and yet 100% control it, I haven't found it. This, this is happening right under our noses. And some people are complying and going along with it and say, yeah, I want to do that. Give me the check. Yeah, these traders are trading us out for money. They're stealing our land to fill their pockets. Every time I hear about what they're doing, I get madder because... Who are they to say that they can cross someone else's land as long as they're getting paid? To, I mean, think about it. I mean, this goes back for centuries where people have been selling out their own people, and that's what's happening right here. These guys are taking money, and then they're telling us and trying to shame us into saying, oh, this is good for the country. This is good for someone else. Well, what about me, the guy that owns the land? What's, how is it good for me? Why should I worry about someone else getting fatter and richer because they, they're going to steal my property rights. It's just ridiculous that we're giving up dominant authority to Chinese, to Saudi Arabia, to South Korea. What the heck are we even thinking here? Wake up, everyone, and help us out because I, this is it's bad and it's going to get worse unless we stand up to them now. We don't need to ca uh, capture carbon. We need to fix our culverts and our roads. We need to upgrade our bridges that were built in the 30s and 40s. We need to fix our dams. We need to keep our airports up and our highways and our gravel roads. We don't need to capture carbon right now. We have way more priorities than that. So stop fooling around and attacking our property rights. It's not about saving the planet. It's about stealing land. It's about bullying people. It's about pushing people into submission. And that's where we're at. So either we stand up to them now or we're going to be that we're going to all be in trouble so in closing jeff just your word of encouragement and what exactly do you suggest each county in north dakota do 
I suggest everyone in this, yeah, everyone should ask and be on board for asking an investigation of who owns Summit Carbon because this was brought up because of the Chinese trying to come into Grand Forks and it was overwhelmingly, almost unanimously by our legislature to approve both of these laws, 1135 and 2371, because the, the feedback was strong that the North Dakotans do not want the Chinese owning our land or real property is the way 2371 says. So we need to, the, the people have spoken, the legislature has spoken, the governor signed the law, now let's enforce the law and let's find out who owns it. And they're saying, well, what does it matter? Well, it matters a lot because people don't want our state taken over by the communists. That's that simple. We also need to mention that your governor, though he sometimes gives lip service in the right way, was quoted in the Des Moines Register this week as saying, you know, eminent domain is a good thing when it comes to the CO2 pipeline. Sounds like he's not for preserving property rights. No, I don't think he's ever been for property rights. If if he has, like you said, he's been faking it, but now the truth is coming out. So again, just everybody pile on the attorney general right now, if you can, and if you can help us out, because that's one way to get him motivated to, we need the people. He's supposedly serving the people, and the people need to speak right now, and and really, uh, really pressure him to get mobilized to find out who owns this. He said he told me a while back that he had put two of his attorneys on this. So I'm hoping that he's going to do that now, or else. Uh, In case you have forgotten, the moment he told you that, I was standing at your left side. I'm witness to hearing what he just said. Yep. Remember, so, we, we were at that little fundraiser. Oh, in yeah. And Ma- right. Mandan. Yep. Yep. Jeff Magram, senator from North Dakota, taking a stand and encouraging all of us to remember, we at the county level control this ship. It's time to steer the bow once again. And since, in case you missed it, on Friday of last week, the North Dakota Public Service Commission did vote to deny the Summit Pipeline permit. They've reapplied. There'll be another two-year process, but they denied it because they refused to give information that's pertinent, particularly information about the dangers of the pipeline. And the same thing happened in South Dakota this week and last week. The petitioners are refusing to share information about the danger of the pipeline. I want to remind you that when it comes to crop protection, Apache sprayers get it done with the greatest degree of efficiency, but you also have a line of service that you can't get everywhere. And that is Simpson Farm Enterprises and High Plains Apache. Go to the website, highplainsapache.com for details. We're back with Marty after this. Welcome back. Roll route to the program, Trent Luce, alongside now with Jeff Edgo. Everybody's leaving me today. Marty never leaves me. Somebody can count on in a pinch coming to us also from North Dakota, Stewartsdale, North Dakota, Marty Beard. And then he thinks that I called him a hillbilly and a negative slam. And if I called him hillbilly, it'd actually be a compliment. So I have no idea what he's complaining about. Well, sometimes I go by my other name, and that's Mr. Technology. <laughs> what's your email 
No idea. <laughs> Wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> but uh, you, you, you know, know, most people have an email which is like Marty Beard the Wonder or something like that. Your email is a series of numbers that have no rhyme reason with a few letters scattered in there. There is no way anybody would ever remember it or share it. Hmm. That that could be I should get a new email be like I wonder what it is dot com. I think and I wouldn't yeah. have to worry about remembering. <laughs> you know, Dakota Tales and Trails, that's that's exactly what I've been following. I've been following my puppy's tales on yeah. Coon Trails. And let me tell you, I just thought the tracking was rough in that hot weather we had. And now this steamy, humid weather has taken that to another level. I, I'll tell you what, those coon tracks, of course, there's not a huge amount of coon. So you kind of got to hunt them out. But, um, yeah, it's been testing. Uh, Dakota Tales and Trails has a new meaning. Coon Tales and puppy dog trails that's for sure hey i think you ought to start your own broadcast coon tails <laughs> and puppy dog trails leave mine alone <laughs> yeah well i'm sure people will have more important things they want to hear about than than uh you and i talking about nursery rhymes well the other part of that is that um <laughs> I have no idea what the other part is because I got that text. I got to shut the ringer off. It was distracting. I need to talk to that guy, but he's ignoring me. <laughs> oh, oh 20 gosh. minutes. Perfect. Okay. Outstanding. Yeah. Uh, what was well, the other part? Uh, well, I, I think we should discuss two things that, that I think are going wrong in our country. And one is our education system, which you and I talk about a lot. And, and, uh, you know, I think that the Department of Education has set up many, many schools to fail. But then the other thing I would like to talk about is is the the failure of religion and and actually preaching um, God's word. And I think that when a lot of churches quit preaching God's word, that's when all of this evil stuff can creep into lives and they can start justifying it. So I, I think uh, religious leaders like local pastors and priests need to step up and take a stand. And I think, uh, you know, against whoever it is, if it's these uh, these national uh, organizations that you know, basically dictate. And also that would be a good idea for our teachers. I mean, we got some great teachers out there, but they're being stifled and put down and forced to teach stuff they don't actually believe in. And I think if our local pastors and, and our churches and and um, and our locals, you know, these teachers will will stand up and and uh, and I know it's hard to stand up there when when the majority of uh, those above you are actually pushing the agenda, but I think that's been a, a big problem. Okay, so because you have a history as a, a certified teacher, because you have a history as a school school board president, because you have a history in getting involved in every aspect of, of education, I ask you this question. Do you really think 
that we're going to pull the churches into the school dialogue when, number one, they're going to be reluctant. Number two, there's going to be somebody throwing a fit about church and state. And number three, that's like saying that we just need to elect the right guy to be president and we're going to fix every problem in this country. At some point, you have to recognize that what you create isn't working. And and so you dismantle what you created and find something that works. I don't know what that is. Maybe that's charter schools. Maybe that's something that's completely outside of what I do know for sure. As long as you have a school system, whether it's private or public, that takes money from a government entity and then is subject to being told what they're going to teach their kids, you're never going to get the education to the kids that the kids deserve. Well, I think it goes back to what we always do talk about, and that's chopping the head off the snake. And, you know, that's that would be the Department of Agriculture or Department of Agriculture. Yeah, I have a problem with that. Department of Education. Um, you know, the 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 uh, flow down of manure from the Department of Education on what and, and you know, also school board association like the North Dakota School Board Association that has been known to brag about stopping uh um arming teachers in North Dakota that would have, that will protect children you know i think when those those uh uh organizations and government bureaucracies are stifled it will enable teachers to take off and do, do what they love to do and that's educate children without all the 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 manure flowing downhill and and ruining that uh occupation you know, it's not teachers ruining it. I mean, there no, are it's some. not. It's not. They're they're totally dictated what they can do. Uh, our school, which we now have no kids in, because Kelly and I are like two weeks from being empty nesters. But our school has two hundred and eighty-seven students, K through twelve. That now we're going to add a third uh, administrator. We're going to have three principals and a superintendent for a school with 287 kids. And that comes about and the school board voted on this last week because, well, we got a grant to, to do part of this. Well, we don't, I don't care if we got a grant. We don't need three principals telling the teachers what they need to be doing. We need one principal, one superintendent. And then at the state level, we passed something this year that was trying to bring about a better funding mechanism from the state level to the school systems. And I just walked out of the grocery store in our community, and this kid standing there asking me to sign a petition. I said, what's your petition for? He says, well, LB 753 starts reading to me. I said, I know more about LB 753 than you do. I said, who do you represent? Why are you here asking me to sign this petition? Oh, what do you mean? I said, well, no. What organization put you up to coming to my town? Because I don't know you. And I know everybody in this county. I don't know you. So who put you up to coming here? Well, I come because I love public schools. I said, where are you from? I went to public school in Arizona. I said, where do you live now? Oh, I live in Omaha. That's 220 miles from here. I said, welcome to Sherman County. But I suggest if you're coming to Sherman County, you better come with the proper intent because we're going to hold you accountable to anybody, any lie you tell somebody, which is exactly what they're doing with this petition drive. You have to put your foot down, Marty, and stop being nice. It's time we cut the head off the snake instead of you pussyfooting around. Wow. Are, are you running for office or something down there in Nebraska? Because that was a great speech. <laughs> I think you wasted it on me, not your <laughs> listeners. I'm sure they loved it. But, yeah, wow, that is good. You know, I mean, uh, if it doesn't – I, I think people – well, I, I thought of this today, you know um, – 
there are there's so many people that just don't care and unfortunately yeah, the people that do care have wasted so much time trying to convince the people that don't care that they don't care anymore i don't know i mean you got an election i'm going to missouri next week for the election integrity meeting you got the land issues land grabs you got education at a complete debacle and again i'm echoing what you said it's not from the teacher stand oh i didn't even finish my story that i got all wound up about in our community uh, we're 287 students k through 12 Already 14 teachers left. 14 left after the school year last year. What does that tell you about the culture of this program? Two retired, by the way. 12 just mm-hmm. left. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we hired a new teacher out here, and, and we had, oh, I think, two applicants. Um, there are There is a huge number of people uh, friends of mine that that got out of education because they feel powerless. They're allowed to be assaulted by children. Um, they they have no input, and they're told to just get in place and <coughs> forced to teach what's been filtering down. And 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 like in all that stuff, it just it it's sad. And and not only that, but many more are going to get out of it. It's, it's like a mass exodus, like our military, the retainment and the new recruits in, in our military to defend our, what, what freedoms we do have left, which is very few. Um, you know, these, these re these new recruits in our military and, and, and very important, our teachers for our kids, you know, um, the, the people are tired of the nonsense that's going on in our country. We have just enough victories to keep us at bay or maybe satisfied thinking we're winning when really every time you turn around, there's a new battle and it doesn't matter if it's coming down from the Department of Education or the Department of Agriculture or U.S. Fish and Wildlife Services. You know, the big problem with all this stuff, it has U.S. in front of it. And, and you can basically track any of that stuff back it's easier to trail than an old raccoon you can trail that back to the u.s government that has basically failed you know why why aren't these these representatives and and uh that we send to congress and and senators and even in our own state why aren't they saying this stuff that's why we hired them elected them and then continue to pay them why aren't they saying this stuff once they get to washington or once they get to the Tower of Babel here in Bismarck, they shot up and go status quo. You know, Senator Kramer just said, well, you don't know how Washington works. Uh, it's not working. It doesn't work. So get in there and th- overhaul it. Uh, well, that won't happen with the three guys we got in there. But I'm telling you again, no person is going to change that. In fact, your analogy about what's going on in the U.S., leaving a bigger and easier trail to follow than a coon trail is spot on. It stinks worse than a coon trail. And we need some (laughs) coon hunters who are willing to go out there trailing all of this nonsense so we can find the root. We can find the den that all of it incubates in. 
Yeah, it's easier to find a trail today to pick up than ever before. Thanks, Marty Beard. Always a pleasure. Before I turn you loose, I want to remind you of the Across the Pond with Andrew Henderson, Jim Ferguson, and myself, starting in Quincy, Illinois, on October the 22nd and concluding in Brush on October 28th. The middle is still we are working on. Regaining Control for the Farmer 2023. See you on the tour. We've journeyed down that path, connecting all the food producers to food consumers. All roads do lead to a rural route. See you tomorrow.